Welcome to Nine to Thrive, the well-being podcast. I'm Julie Fisher, your host and positive psychology practitioner, coach, and well-being advocate. Here, you will find meaningful and lively conversations with experts where we explore the challenges to maintaining a strong sense of well-being, along with providing tips, tools, and strategies to thrive and flourish in our ever-changing and complex world. If you're ready to create more harmony, cultivate deeper connections, foster a greater sense of well-being, and live the life you long for, then you're in the right place. Thanks so much for being here. Let's begin our journey together. Hello, welcome to Nine to Thrive, the well-being podcast episode seven. We're in February of 2024. And today we're going to talk about words. So in the broadest sense, I want to begin with the idea that I personally believe words really matter. And as human beings, we're meaning makers. So what differentiates us from animals is that we have this thing called language and it started with you know, symbols, and then we created words. And all of that was to make meaning around our surroundings, our lives. And we started by assigning meaning to words and assigning meaning to feelings and objects in the world and the experiences to help us make sense of our lives, then our work our communities. When we started out as human beings, we really lived in community and relied on one another and our world. And so for most of us, words or symbols are our primary form of communication. And we create with words, we connect with words. So today I'm really excited to have our guest Danielle Hughes here because we're going to dive into words And the challenges and payoffs to knowing how to express ourselves when it comes to talking about ourselves. So we're going to talk about how vulnerable it can feel to actually talk really honestly about who we are and how we interact in the world beyond our skills beyond just what we do in the world. Who are we? And so I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Danielle, who has the best title of anyone I have ever met. Danielle is the chief personality officer of More Than Words Marketing. Danielle Hughes helps individuals and institutions to develop their genuine personality brand. This allows you to own and embody your message, feel comfortable expressing it, and convey what makes you different from your competition so that you can attract the right audience and repel the wrong one. Danielle's client list is long and storied, so since she's showing off, It includes companies like Google, PwC, eBay, Discovery Channel, Capital One, Gap, Columbia University, Jed Foundation, among others, often referred to as a magician with words, which I'm actually going to absolutely endorse that because I'm going to tell you a little bit about what Danielle helped me with. 
While she can't pull a rabbit out of her hat, she can hone your brand message and deadlift you and your employees, but not at the same time. That's just irresponsible. No, Danielle is available for office party tricks and accepts payment in bottles of Bordeaux. Ah. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. I feel like that's why it was way too long, but um, it's okay. I could just listen to you say and read anything. And I feel like people are going to be like adjusting their volume because I'm so loud and you're so soft-spoken that it's going to be like, volume up, volume down, volume up, volume down. <laughs> I actually love reading people's bios because I love savoring. You know, it's this is going to be part of our discussion today. I love savoring people's brilliance. And so many of us are so uncomfortable with that. We're going to talk about that today. So tell me first, how did you become the chief personality officer? Um, Okay. So I will try to keep this as short as possible, but I started out, I've always been in marketing. I've always been a copywriter, started out in television and I was writing marketing materials for sales to go out and sell programming. And I spent a long time in the TV realm. And then I went over to a small word of mouth marketing agency where I was helping to tell stories to put brands into consumers' hands. And then at 2015, in 2015, I went freelance as a copywriter. And like many people just kind of left and figured I would just use my existing network of colleagues and connections to bring work. And a few years into that endeavor... It was very much feast or famine and probably more famine. And I took a look at myself and realized I wasn't marketing. I wasn't networking. I was generic and forgettable. I had no brand. And I wasn't really taking ownership of what I wanted for my career. So I ended up hiring a coach and working on rebranding kind of how I showed up in the world. And one of the first things she said to me is, you have to put more personality into your website. She's like, you know, you're so dynamic and funny. And she's like, people are going to figure it out anyway. She's like, more of that needs to go on the page. And even for someone like me, it felt kind of uncomfortable because that's not, especially if you come out of corporate, you know, nobody's really individual, right? We're all sort of a homogenous, like toe the party line group. And individuality was not ever something that was really um, embraced or encouraged. But I started to do it. And the more that I put myself on the page, the more comfortable I started to become, the more people started to resonate with my message. And one day I sort of had this idea for the difference between a personal brand, which is what everybody's told they should have, and our personality. And so to me, personal is private, but our personality is who we are. And it's all the best parts about us. And that's the piece that forges connection with other people. So I said, we need a personality brand, not a personal brand. And then people started reaching out to me and say, what is this personality brand thing? And one thing led to another. And instead of calling myself a founder or president or something, which to me is meaningless, I said, I'm going to be the chief personality officer. And that's kind of how it's come. I love that. It's like me. I call myself the chief well-being officer. Exactly. Exactly. Because I do everything well-being. Exactly. Okay. I love that. And I want to talk a little bit about the discomfort in that, right? I believe allowing our authentic selves, and we're going to come back to that word authentic, 
uh, to be known is a key ingredient of thriving. And being authentic in our world of curated lives on social media, right, can feel really challenging and really vulnerable. Mm. So when we look at research, especially like Brene Brown's work around vulnerability as a pathway to connection, belonging, compassion, I see the value of letting our guard down and revealing more than our skill set and our accomplishments, right? Because we don't just bring our skills to what we do in any part of our lives, right? Whether that's you're facing a challenge at home or at work, or you're celebrating something joyful, we don't just bring our skill sets, we bring all of our experience that creates all of what makes us unique, brilliant, amazing, funny, awkward, you know, all of that we're bringing to every experience we have. So you and I have talked about the fact that Merriam-Webster's word of the year for 2023 was authentic. Yes. Which, by the way, I did have to laugh because my girls told me this, that Oxford University Press word of the year was Riz. Riz. I know. Which, yeah. which I actually think is funny because I think Riz is sort of inauthentic. It's, and, so, stupid. it's so stupid. I can't. <laughs> right? Just. So I was no. like, okay. So now, and like I said, I heard... I've heard that word from my Gen Z yes. kids. Yeah. Yep. And so, right. And so I think, oh, we don't need that word out there because that is perpetuating more of this curated. It needs to look right. Yes. You know, um, and so I think one of our deepest desires as human beings is to be known, right? To be seen and heard and valued. And yet I see all the ways that fear gets in the way of authenticity and having our personalities be known. Yes. Let's talk about that. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of this is a more recent issue, right? Because 15, 20 years ago and beyond, you worked in an office, everybody worked in an office or an environment or something, and you were interacting with your colleagues on a day-to-day basis. So you didn't have to worry about bringing part of yourself or anything because you were hanging out in the break room and talking about your weekends. You probably had pictures on your desks of your, of your family, right? Like it was much more communal and you just found things out about people organically and you revealed things about yourself organically. And there wasn't really a fear because it was a small contained group as well, right? You're only putting it out there to the immediate people in your realm. But now with social media, we've gone from zero to a billion and anything you put out there could ostensibly be put to the masses. And we're just we're not meant to interact with this many people. It's not normal. It's not healthy. And I think that is what's scaring a lot of people when they think about showing part of themselves. If we had taken away the social media aspect, it's not even a question. Of course, I'm going to share some things with my colleagues. That's how I get to know them. That's how I build relationships. That's how I advance. Right. And the same thing with, you know, clients. It's like you have to build rapport. That's the whole point of 
taking clients for lunch and going to happy hour and all these things is connection. And now because we have to write it down in a LinkedIn profile or on our website or in a corporate bio, it feels, I think, much more revealing for people because they are putting themselves out there and they don't get to control that ostensibly. Like that's the thought behind that. Mm. Ooh, I'm going to think that. Yes. Okay. So a couple things there. Uh, I love that. A couple things. One, you know, trust is built by vulnerability. Yes. Right. I mean, we can't build high quality connections. Like in positive psychology, we talk about high quality connections in the office. And the number one thing is trust. And trust is built by sharing things that may feel vulnerable and looking across the ostensive desk at the other person and that other person saying, I see you, I get you. I see your humanity. We're not perfect, you know, and I got you and we're in this together. Can I just push back on the vulnerability piece for one second? Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't know that you need to be so vulnerable to show a part of yourself. You know, when I think about personality brand, the way that I define it is you sharing something about you that you'd be willing to share with anybody, right? Like a hobby, a passion, something that you're like, I don't, it's not vulnerable for me to tell you that I'm a marathon runner or like, I like, I go hiking or I like to bake. It's just an aspect of my personality. Yes. I think the vulnerability piece maybe it's like level two, level three or something after we've started to forge a connection because you know a little bit about me. But I think a lot of people have struggled with that word a little because it feels, again, bearing your soul when that's not really what it means. Yeah. Yes. And it's so interesting. I think of it more in a in workspace, Danielle, as that project didn't go the way that I wanted it to. Mm, okay. And- do you right. know what I mean? Ooh, that meeting was a little ouchy, right? Yes. That sense of I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to be transparent, right? There's a certain sense of transparency. Yes. Yes. Honesty, right? right? Honesty. Isn't necessarily always vulnerability, right? Right. Yes. Like okay. honesty about, and I think this is where part of our personality can come in. In terms of, I think we've all had meetings that didn't go the way we wanted yes. them to go. Or reviews or, or reviews anything. or anything. Yes. Anything. And I think this is where, and it can feel vulnerable, but sometimes to break the tension, you can bring humor into it. If that's your person, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. wow, that wasn't, <laughs> that yes. didn't go the way we wanted. I mean, and on the flip side, I think it also can feel at times vulnerable to really celebrate a yes. huge win. Yes. Right? It or a compliment or, or anything. Or a compliment. Yes. When someone compliments you, can you just say, I'm going to take that? Yes. Right? Yep. Like, thank you. As opposed to our instinct. And I think this is because we are sourcing so much outside of ourselves, approval, our sense of safety and security in a workplace, our, in relationships. And so we're looking out there thinking, okay, if I 
really show that like my personality, if I own that, if I'm like, Ooh, I'm actually someone who can own my strengths. Yes. Does that person think I'm a bragger or do they think I'm yeah. so, and I do think that social media has exacerbated this by curation of content, right? And, and now I, I love how they're not influencers anymore. They're creators, you know, of content. And yet it's creating brands. And so I do think social media has impacted this our sense of this because now we're, we're second guessing and thinking, oh, no, no, it has to look a certain way. And maybe that way would be right. You know, so maybe there's a right personality, right? So, I mean, it's almost like, is there a right personality to have? Or you're, it's a comparison trap, right? Because you're seeing other people and you think I need to be that or what, you know, if I can't be that, why even bother? Or right to your point, it's like, what's there, there's, Everybody thinks they're the right way. And they're, to me, it's like, there's just kind of not really a wrong way. There's just your way. Yes, there mm. is just your way. Okay. So people feel apprehensive about putting their personalities out there. I do think, like I said, I go back to, I think in the broadest sense, this comes from sourcing things outside of ourselves. Yes. And that makes so much sense. It, has to do with our livelihood and our, you know, our relationships, our sense of stability. I want to talk a little bit about kind of the concept of psychological safety around, which feels like a big word, Mm -hmm. but people need to feel comfortable, right? That idea that we do need to feel okay, safe. I think the word safe, we need to feel safe sort of saying, yeah, this is who I am. This is, this is what I do, right? This is what I do in the world. And this is who I am in the world. And this is what I'm, this is my special sauce that I'm going to bring to everything I do. A lot of times I'm saying that to clients who are in transition that I'm coaching. Don't be afraid to really show your special sauce because they're hiring a person, not just a skill set. And, and I even talk to people about who are going on dating apps about the same thing, right? You're, I mean, it's the same, exact same thing. Yes. And if you don't show a little bit of who you are, you're going to end up in a situation where you might not ever be able to. So the more you can show up front to reveal who you are, yes, you might limit your options in some way, shape or form, because we know that there's biases and all of these things, but wouldn't you rather limit your options to just the better options as opposed to having more options that don't involve you ending up in the right place or space where you can be yourself, where you can feel accepted and you're not going to be able to do your best work. So for me, it's like, if you can't show up as yourself or show a part of yourself or feel comfortable expressing yourself, And what you do, you're not going to perform well, and you're just going to be hurting yourself and the organization because you don't feel like you have the confidence or the comfort to do what you are there to do. Right. And I think for me, I'm going to think, I'm going to put that back on, would I want to work at an office or an organization or with clients who didn't I'm going to go beyond accept me. I'm going to say embrace me for who right. I am. Correct. Or I need to hide who I am in order to be right. accepted. 
Right. Yeah. Yes. I, that seems, that feels like a lot of work, Danielle, if I had to hide, because then every day I'm consciously thinking, oh, I need to tamp down that part of me that I somehow think is unacceptable. And that is so counter to, I think, productivity, everything, performance, yes. well-being, the yes. whole, yes, the whole gamut. I don't think it's a here I am, take it or leave it either. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, like you got to accept all of me. And, you know, we're still people interacting with people. You still have to read people. You still have to know how to you know, respond. You still have to understand how to be in a workplace or an environment. But it's if again, if you can highlight some of who you are, it will just make that process smoother. It will just make everybody more accepting and cohesive and aware. And yeah, I just, I think it's, you know, it's not an all or nothing. It's parts and pieces. Yes. So what I, sort of what I hear you saying is it's not prescriptive, right? We don't want a prescription. Right. Of, okay, this is how you show up at Mm. ABC company. Yes. Right. Or this is how you show up for XYZ client. Right. Right. We don't want a prescription. We want to be able to use our intuition, right? Our our sense of norms, right? What are the norms with this client? What are the and within the realm of that show up as ourselves? Yeah, in the context. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I used to be someone who was like super black and white. I was like, you either like me or you don't. And I don't care, you know, very much. And I think that's a defense. I was hiding something. And it also is insensitive and callous to other people because me just being like, take it or leave it doesn't leave room for someone else who has a different personality style or a different professional style and the way that we're going to interact together. That's me saying I'm too much and I'm not going to ever modulate. And I don't think that that is realistic. And I think you have to be aware of how other people perceive you and then figure out a way to make it so that they are perceiving, you know, the best parts of you or that you are working with them in a way that is receptive to them. Cause we know now that everybody is just different in the way that they work and interact. And it's not a one size fits all. Exactly. It's not a one size fits all. And it's not a binary, right? I think, you know, again, we could really zoom this out and talk about how binary thinking is, you know, part of, I think it's part of what is creating the well, unwell being crisis that I talk a lot about is that it's right, wrong, black, white, either or. And there's so much both and in the world that we live in. And There's so much both and in working as a team in any aspect of your life. And hopefully we're all bringing the parts of ourselves that is beneficial to not only ourselves, but the collective, right? For me, it's, you know, how am I contributing to the collective? Yeah. And if my allotness, you know, and I have an allot story from, from childhood, if my allotness is preventing someone from bringing out the best of them, themselves mm. or their selves, right? Their selves, right. Yes. It's mm-hmm. like, I want to be aware of that. Yes. You know, a lot of times I, when I'm doing group things, 
I do lean in, lean back. So if you're the person who always speaks, which I am that person, right? So this is, if I were in a group, I would be the person who would check in and say, okay, I am that person who always speaks. And in this group, can you notice perhaps and make space for people who that's not their first instinct, right? Mm -hmm. Is to lean in. Their first instinct is to lean back. Well, today, could you lean back a little bit? Yeah. And allow for everyone whose instinct isn't to lean in, to lean in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk on this whole subject, just psychological safety, and it's relevant to this, even this whole lean in, lean back. I am, you know, a white cisgender woman and I am guessing, and I want to know your observation on this, that it perhaps is easier for me to show some of my personality because I come from the dominant culture. I, you know, and And so across gender, across racial differences, sexual orientation, I am betting that it's easier for some than others. Yes, I do think that is the case or it maybe society seems like it would be easier, right? Because obviously there are people of all, you know, races, ethnicities, sexual orientations, and some in the, let's say, non-dominant might be very comfortable and outgoing and all that. And somebody who, just because you're dominant, just because you're white, just because you're male, doesn't mean you're not afraid or shy or Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with, you know, with showcasing a part of yourself. But I think that it's, it's perceived as being more accepting if you are. So yes. Yeah. And what I talk about with, because a lot of times when I talk about personality brand, people will bring up like the DEI aspect and, you know, I'm not certified in this realm, but I do have a lot of clients in this space. And what I say with personality brand is you get to decide what you want to show. And it, yes, it might be easier and more challenging for certain people, but everybody can do a little bit. And like, how do you just dip your toe in the water? Let's get a little comfortable. And then maybe tomorrow we'll go into our ankles. Maybe next week we'll go up to our knees. Like it's organic and evolving and none of this is fixed. And who you are today and how you show up today can be very different from how you show up a month from now. But like anything, you have to put it out there and see how it feels. And then as you get more comfortable, you might be able to do a little bit more and a little bit more. I'm very aware that I do have a personality brand especially specifically for me, I, people hire me as a person, people hire you, right. As a person. Yes. And I think there's so many people who are working, you know, in bigger organizations and they, they see this as, no, 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 this doesn't apply to me, right? Like, I don't really need this because what is going to drive my career forward is, my skill set. I'm going to get promoted based on this. Or when I update my resume, if I put it out on LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever, that's what they're looking at. Because I know you do work with corporations. And yeah, would you just talk a little bit about why it's so important for everyone? Yes, absolutely. So in order to get visible 
inside your organization, you have to be known for something. And yes, we can say, oh, I'm known for doing good work, but a lot of people are known for doing good work. And that is not what's going to make you memorable. And again, not that's not what's going to help you connect with the people around you. So when I work with leaders or executives or anyone inside an organization, it's you have over the course of your career co-opted titles and roles that don't really have anything to do with you. Somebody else came up with the name of your role. Somebody else came up with all the tasks. You're just the person that's filling that slot. So you get to now take control of your narrative and tell your story in a way that you want to be recognized and talk about what you're proud of, talk about how you think and talk about where you want to go versus all of the things that you've done. So putting out a strong LinkedIn profile has nothing to do with looking for a job. It's thought leadership. It's you setting yourself up for your future success. It's you shining a light on your organization and saying how you know proud you are to work there and all the things that you've done for them. And then it's whatever comes next, you know, and it evolves and changes. So you might have a bio one day and a year from now you're in a different role or you've done different things that you want to highlight. This doesn't mean you're going anywhere. It just means that you want people to see what you're doing. And yeah, eventually if you want to look for another job, it's going to be helpful. But even if you never plan to leave your organization, you should have a strong profile in your own voice that tells your own story and isn't just your collective resume. Hmm. I love that to be transparent. For our listeners, I hired Danielle to help me rewrite, rewrite my bio. And I have to say, I had so much fun doing it. As I said from the start, I do believe deep down that we really do want to be known for who we are, not just what we do in the world. We are human beings. We're not human doings. And for me, what I loved about the process was it allowed me to see the common themes that have been woven through my whole life. And if you all who are listening want to check out my LinkedIn profile, you'll see that I start with the fact that, and it's so funny that here I am and now I have a podcast because it started with my recalling that from the time I was seven years old, my favorite thing to do was to create these elaborate conversations between Ken and Barbie in my basement. And everything I have done my whole life has been around having conversations with people. I have always been innately curious. I was not a traditional student in an era where nobody knew what a non-traditional student and a neurodiverse student was really. And so school didn't seem that interesting to me. However, my school was conversations with people. And even going through the process of seeing, removing myself from all of the things I've done with that and zooming out and seeing, okay, what was it that I loved? And so to come full circle now, honestly, and to sit here and have a podcast, which is about having conversations with people feels, um, 
so fun and on purpose for me. A friend threw me a, a, a podcast launch party and I was so thrilled and honored. And what I spoke about was the fact that this feels like I've everything in my life was leading me to this. And because there's such joy for me in having conversations and this whole idea that people hire people. You cannot do that or find a way to do that if you are not building a connection based on genuine relatability, story, a little bit of who you are, right? This is it's all relationships. And we can't ever like, you know, back to the online dating thing. I like to say to people, it's just like if you go to an app and somebody doesn't fill out their profile, you don't, there's no way to start the conversation. Where do you even go from there? But if they have filled it out and they've given you some prompts and they've given you a little bit of stuff, now you have something you can ask them about. And that's all we're really trying to do with our bios and with our profiles is we want to start the conversation and get someone interested enough to want to learn more. It's not a be all end all. It's not everything we've ever done. It doesn't need to reveal all of our innermost secrets. It's just a taste. And what I realized with my own business is, you know, when I went from being just a generic copywriter to having my company and I started to be more myself in content, I was getting a lot more people that already came to me and said, I love, I love everything you've said, or I already feel like I know you. And so then your message is doing the vetting for you because it's only attracting people that are already responding. And that is the point. We don't need everyone. We can't be for everyone regardless. So how do you showcase enough that you're attracting people that are already going to respond to what you have put out there? And then the other greatest compliment is when someone says, you're exactly what I expected, right? We don't want there to be a difference between who we are on the page and who we are in person. They should be the same. So I love that. You're exactly what I expected. I got exactly what I was thinking I was going to get. Yes. 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 Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I that's yeah. One of the things I always stress when doing corporate workshops is that we bring all of our lives to work, right? Like we bring it all and we bring all of ourselves, right? So we don't just turn our personalities off and we don't turn off what brings us joy and what makes us really sad, right? We don't turn all of that off. We don't turn off how we get excited, right? I think that's, I think watching the ways people get excited is so fun. Yeah. So how do you suggest someone just get start thinking about themselves through the lens of their personality? Yes. And I just, I think we've talked about this too, that I'm not a fan of the, the phrase, bring your whole self to work, because again, I feel like it implies all or nothing. I don't think anybody brings their whole self to work, right? It's like, you want to be able to bring most of yourself, but some things never need to come to work. Let's be honest. Some things need to stay home and some things need to stay private and they're not for people that you work with and all of that. So I just want to put that out there because that's my own personal, I just have an issue with that. And again, I'm not saying hide anything. I'm just saying you don't, everything doesn't need to come to the office. Yes. Well, I think to your point, Danielle, it's, personal versus personality. Correct. Yes. 
So when I say, could you bring your personality to work? Yes. Within the context of self-awareness, right? So I think there's, there is that to your point, an ability to read the room, an ability to know that there's perhaps a time and a place to bring more of your personality to a situation than others. Yes. Yeah. Use your EQ. Right. But in terms of where to start, so we, there's a few things. So one is what do you love to do when you're not working? Right. Like think about, and if you have one hobby, if you have 10 hobbies, you know, some people I know, some clients are like, I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. I do this. And then other people give me the, I don't do anything. That is not true. Um, What is it you love? Do you have movies you love? Is there music, an activity? And um, I like to say specificity is your friend. So you telling me I like to work out is boring and doesn't tell me anything. If you tell me the types of workout that you like to do or how long you've been doing this specific workout, that's more interesting. If you tell me you have a pet, not as interesting as if you tell me the name of that pet or the type of that pet. So little things like that, where you can start just to tell people what you do outside of work. But what I found, right, and like what we talked about earlier with your bio is we start to connect the dots between either what we've been kind of doing our whole lives or how we approach our hobby and how we approach our work. And 99% of the time, there is an overlap in the way we think in why we like our hobby and why we like our job. And there you can connect the dots for people in a way that shows them how you think and also makes you more memorable and starts to tell the story. Because for most of us, there are hundreds or thousands of people that do the exact same job or the similar job. So you just touting your accomplishments is not going to differentiate you as much as why you do what you do or what you love about what you do that's going to get people again to want to just know more about you i love that i love that so funny you know one of the things i have in my bio and in my headline is that i love pickleball and it's so funny that you say that because i did a a linkedin post one day on how pickleball and coaching are this sort of the same skills there you go okay yeah see i mean yeah and I bet that post had a lot of engagement. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it was kind of a fun thing to think about. And yeah, yeah. So many good things. I think if you had written, you know, just why I love coaching or the things I love about coaching, fine, whatever, right, yawn. But how pickleball relates to coaching. Now I'm interested, right? Here's why I love pickleball. Here's why I love coaching. And again, it's just more memorable. And it's, because it's more personal to you, because you have a passion for pickleball, you're going to write that piece much more interested and excited than just some prescriptive one, two, three, four, five list of things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because I think for me, there's so much fun and enjoyment in both of those things, right? Yes. You know, I find them both fun, lots of fun and enjoyment. So yeah, I love this. I love this. All right. So being authentic and bringing our personalities to everything we do, I think is such a key ingredient to thriving. I do. In this very complicated world we live in, 
I mean, and I think part of it is we do live in this really complex place, I think, especially in this moment in time. And I think we need more than vanilla. Vanilla is homogenous, right? If we're going to be right. And we need all the different flavors and bits and pieces and swirls and things that go in there. I like to say that you're not white bread, you're an everything bagel, right? Me, right? Because it's very similar because everything bagel, it's got all the different seeds and things on it. And it's like crusty and chewy. And it's like, it gives you something and you don't have to like all the seeds on it. And there's different amounts for different people, but we all have different things that show up. And the person who's in everything bagel is much more interesting than the person who's white bread. You know, in a world that can feel in this very binary place where there's right, wrong, black, white, you're, you're with us or you're against us. I think the more we could celebrate everything bagels, the better off we'd all be. I think, yeah. So that's totally where I'm coming from. And I ask every guest on the podcast what their top three tools or strategies are for thriving. So can you tell us yours? Ooh. Three tools or strategies for thriving. I mean, I think, you know, the number one is to be yourself. You can't thrive if you are hiding or pretending to be something that you're not. Number two is surround yourself with people that lift you up and also are aspirational to you, right? Gives you something to, to reach for because I think we should always be striving in order to thrive. And then the last piece is, I would say, love a lot and laugh even more. It's a little, it's a little trite, but I do think it's so true. No, I mean, we're so wired for connection and to be in relationship with people. And I think loving hard and laughing, laughter is, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's an under talked about piece of thriving and happiness and well-being. And I just reposted a post the other day, Danielle on Instagram, that the statistic was children laugh something like 300 times a day mm. and six-year-olds, it was six-year-olds laugh something like 300 on average, 300 times a day and adults laugh something like 15 to a hundred. Yeah. And I thought, Oh, we all want to be six. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I want to be six. So thank you so much. I, I've loved this conversation and I always learn from you and, uh, yeah. And I'm so excited to be on this, this journey of life with you. And we're going to put in the show notes, how to get in touch with Danielle. She is a word genius. I'm going to say that that's, that's my endorsement of her. And if you are looking to bring more personality to a bio, to your website, to however you put yourself out in the world, I'm going to have her bio there and the ways to get in touch with her and her website will all be in the show notes. And to all of our thrivers listening, thank you. Together, let's be brave, curious, grateful, and kind. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you. We've come to the end, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Nine to Thrive, the well-being podcast. I really appreciate you listening. 
I invite you to follow and like this show on whatever platform you're using. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, share it on social media, or write a review. My goal is to provide useful information that will help you to thrive and flourish, and I always welcome your feedback. If you want to receive more strategies to increase your well-being in your inbox each month, head over to my website, juliefishercoaching.com, and sign up for my newsletter. Until next time, take care, Thrivers.